Hey Blockheads, do you want premium audio content in your RPG games ready at the call of your very fingertips? You could use sounds like this. Or like this. And even this. Well, now you can. You have heard BattleBards audio in our Hired Heroes episode, and now they are making those sounds available to you. Their store officially opens on February 1st, and there are special rewards through the Dungeon Master's block that you can get when you check out for the first time. When you buy a BattleBards credit package worth either $10 or $25, if you use the code DMB1, you will get one predetermined track for free. If you use the code DMB2 for any $50 or $100 packages, you will get five free predetermined tracks. If you use code DMB3 for any $150 or $300 packages, you will get 10 predetermined tracks for free. When you check out with those codes, you help not only BattleBards and the Dungeon Master's Block, but most importantly, you help out yourself. Chris, what are you talking about? There's a giant coming. We gotta go. Ah, we gotta go. Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And today we are coming to our third episode of our raw real monster series really excited about this one you patreon dragons you voted for what monsters we're covering in this here episode and we are going to be covering gith yankee gith zera and also two homebrew creatures one from chris's world one from my world so be excited for that but before we do that, of course, we are going to jump into some five-star reviews. So, Chris, what's our first five-star review? All right, so our first review comes from Shower Bear. It says, exceedingly helpful, five stars. As a first-time DM and first-time player, trying to corral a group of first-time players, I spent my first campaign, this is a lot of firsts, with no clue what I was doing. There aren't a lot of resources out there for anyone that's never played D&D to jump into the DM seat but thanks to the guys at the Dungeon Master's Block, I feel ready and capable to take on our second campaign in a way that will engage my players, entertain me, and actually fit within the overarching structure of D&D correctly. Thanks for the tools, guys. No problem, a shower <laughs> bear. <laughs> Such a weird name, but we love it. <laughs> Bears got to take showers too, I that suppose. That is true, that is true. <laughs> the next one is from Pemberfoot, entitled Best Game Podcast Out There. Period. Five stars. I'm an experienced GM of over 20 years, and I still learn something every time I tune in. Love hearing DM Mitch and DM Chris throw out amazing and helpful tips to take my games to a new and fresh level. Especially appreciate the guests they have on sharing insightful knowledge and amazing third-party products. I'm talking mostly about J.M. Perkins with his amazing adequate commenter source book. <laughs> keep up the good work and keep those episodes coming. Thanks, Pemberfoot. We will do that, Pemberfoot. Absolutely. Uh, the next one that we have is from Tuba83. It says, get your game on. So glad to have found this podcast. 
I've only ever DM'd once while in college years ago, but listening to DM Mitch and DM Chris, I have found myself not only wanting to play D&D again, but to try DMing again. I've gotten my brother, sisters, and their spouses together, and I've introduced them to the joys of D&D. Thanks so much for helping me not only pick up DMing again, but also in creating a world for my new players to experience. Keep on dungeon mastering and podcasting. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tuba83. We greatly appreciate your what review. What better way to spend time with a family? I than know. I, I can't think dragons. of much. Wish <laughs> I mean, my family would play. Yeah, that, I mean, your family would split up because it's... <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Oh, gosh. Don't let that happen to you, Tuba83. <laughs> uh, the next one comes from Eric T88, and it is entitled Best DM Podcast. DM's Block is an amazing podcast with super helpful information. The hosts are very talented and knowledgeable. Proud to be a blockhead. Yeah. (laughs) I've been DMing for about six months now, and I found the podcast about four months ago. My games have improved so much. If I could only get my players to attend regularly, things would be perfect. I'll be playing at the Heroes Table at a Catacon. Can't wait to experience your DMing style firsthand. Yes, you did. He was a part of my table, and it yeah. was pretty awesome. It was great. He lost, but... Well, yeah, they, they did lose. Nobody in lost end, in that nobody game. Nobody lost. It was, it was, it was great oh, overall. So it was a lot we of fun. We were so happy to play with so, all Eric, of you So, Eric, thank guys. you so much for being a part of not only the podcasting community that we have, but also a part of our, our game at Akatacon. Oh, yeah. So good. Well, with that, let's head to the meet. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Carve it up! Just a mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! All right, so for the meat this week, we are going to look at some monsters. And the first monsters we're going to look at is we're going to break down the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zera. But before we do that, we need to talk a little bit about the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zera and their origin stories. So we need to talk about Gith and Zerthamon. So Gith and Zerthamon were leaders among the Gith people. Before they were the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zera, they were one race that were both enslaved by the Illithid. Your favorite creatures yeah, of all time. mind flayers, man. And so there were like countless failed rebellions against the mind flayers to free themselves until one day... A great leader with the name Gith yep. arose and she started to lead this rebellion against the Illithids because as most races that are enslaved for any period of time got sick of being taken over by these overlords and enslaved and forced to do their bidding in whatever ways they were forced to do that. And so she led these people in a rebellion that eventually freed them from their overlords. And out of that group, there was another person that arose, another part of that race that rose called Zerthamon. And Zerthamon kind of thought in a little bit of a different way. He opposed the way that Gith ran the population of people. She was very much on the warpath side of things, and Zarathamon was pretty much the opposite of that. Didn't believe necessarily that her warlike ways were the best way. Basically, Zarathamon thought Gith was the leader that was needed at the time to get right. out of that time of slavery from the Mind Flayers. However, once they had moved on and they were not slaves to the Mind Flayers any longer and they had been freed, Zarathamon started saying... This path, this warlike path that Gith is still preaching, this path of vengeance, it's just another form of slavery doing this. And we need to be better than this 
or we're going to just be as bad as the Elethids who enslaved us in the first place. Yeah, they may even go down the path of beginning to enslave other people. Yeah, well, and I'm pretty sure that's where the people who followed Gith go. And so they become this one race that, besides this story, there's not much known about their original race, even the name, but they become... One race that becomes two races. And now these two races, the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zera, they completely hate each other. And so the Gith Yankee are those who followed Gith and the Gith Zera are those who followed Zerthamon. So that's kind of the backstory. We're going to break down the Gith Yankee and Gith Zera a little bit more than that. So let's first talk about the Gith Yankee. And so the Gith Yankee are one of the creatures because of this backstory that have been around since the beginning of Dungeons and Dragons. They've been around since the first edition monster manuals that came out all the way to the present. They're there again in the newest fifth edition monster manual as well. And they're considered to be one of the most classic D&D monsters up there with the Illithids, up there with the Beholders. They're the ones that, when you think of D&D, these are the type of creatures that you think of. And they're also considered to have product identity with wizards, which means they're not going to appear in any other sorts of role-playing games. Pathfinder doesn't have them. Any of the other role-playing systems that are out there will not be able to use the Githyanki. They were created by Charles Strauss, and the name was borrowed from one of George R. Martin's sci-fi books, Dying of the Light. Although George actually, from what I read, did not know it was borrowed until 10 years later. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, I was not aware of that, but that's really interesting. Borrowed, quote, I wonder unquote. if he gets like royalties for that ah, name. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe that's why he became so famous. I'm sure that he's so filthy rich from yeah, Game of Thrones, between, the yeah, TV between show all the TV shows anyway. and the books that have sold. And yeah, I'm sure he's doing fine. But most of the time, the Gith Yankee are seen as lawful evil. As far as what kind of creature they are, they are humanoids, they're extraplanar. So what are the special abilities that if you're using a Gith Yankee as a monster that is fighting your adventures, what can you expect from the Gith Yankee? Well, first of all, when we're talking about both of these creatures, they're both psionic creatures. And so they have spell casting ability that is rooted in their psionic powers. And so a couple of these spell casting abilities that we look at, these are all from fifth edition. Mage Hand, all of them can do this at will. Beyond that, they can do the spell Jump, Misty Step, and Non-Detection. And then if you are a Githyanki Knight, you can also use the spells Plane Shift and Telekinesis. Basically, I mean, these spells tell us so much about how the Githyanki fight, just in the sense of, like, you look at Jump and Misty Step and Non-Detection and Plane Shift. Plane Shift, They're all, all stuff, about, yeah. like surprise and attacking and just like getting the upper hand kind of on the enemy and with all these crazy spells they're gonna have that upper hand (laughs) these are feared creatures yeah and i would imagine that there would be some sort of confusion element that they're trying to they're trying to disorient and confuse them by popping into existence here and then you know misty stepping somewhere else and hitting somebody else and you know flanking and all that stuff they're trying to get the upper hand with these battle techniques so beyond the spells they have these 
swords, these silver swords that the knights, the Githyanki knights, are able to wield. And so these are considered magical weapons. They deal, besides their normal damage, psionic damage, and they can sever, this is crazy, these swords can sever the silvery cord that tethers a target's astral form to their material body. So That's stinking scary. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just like basically they can choose like with the target, like if they want to do psionic damage or try to sever this cord and it's just like scary and creepy and like yeah. if these things popping out of nowhere to attack you on your plane and your adventures isn't scary enough well just the fact that like your soul might be severed from the body is mm-hmm. super scary in 3.5 these swords could also have the power to negate its victims use of psionic powers so that can get they hit you with that upper yeah. hand in a battle imagine being a psionic warrior like that's you, what you're based upon in. psionic yep. abilities and without those abilities you're pretty much nothing yeah having yep. to get yankee come out of nowhere hitting you with a sword rolling a save failing the save and all of a sudden you cannot use any psionic abilities yeah. anymore. Yeah. That sucks. I think what's really interesting about these two, the reason that they came about was they were originally created to do battle against the Illithids, yeah. probably to take them out of their bodies. So that's, that's pretty where that much psionic power yeah. like negating makes right. a lot of sense. Right, which could have been the downfall of all of their previous rebellions. They didn't mm-hmm. have things like this. Yeah. to Because as we know, Illithids are... Stinking strong, like they oh, are as, the, some as of the much strongest creatures. Are oh, scary. Yeah. I still would be more scared of a mind flare. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh totally. But the mind flares, you have these moments where if they look at you or they cast their spells on you, you're all of a sudden done. Yeah. But if you have the surprise element that the Gith Yankee have, and now you have an element that can get rid of their psionic abilities, you now gain the upper hand. And so that's where these battle weapons came from. These silver swords and. Each one, if you can get your hands on it, is considered a priceless relic. Like, if you can get your hands on one... Well, that's the problem. They're considered priceless relics by all the Githyanki. Yeah. And so, if you do get your hands on one... (laughs) There's going to be somebody coming for you. Githyanki will ruthlessly hunt down any non-Githyanki who wields a sword to reclaim it for their people. Well, it's probably out of fear of somebody using it against them or figuring out how to use that technology against them. I kind of have this picture in my mind. Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord gets the Infinity Gem but doesn't know it's an Infinity Gem. It's a case of the thing, and he tries to sell it to the one guy, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm closing down the shop. Like, If you were trying to sell this priceless item and maybe you find this sword and you're just like i don't know where this came from like i just found this dead body just walking like, in yeah, with this like, random but sword. like if you found it if as adventurers you found a dead body like with awesome weapons on it like you would take it right and so like going into a store and trying to sell it and maybe this store owner knows what it is and they're just like get out get out yeah. like, why why get out <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah right shutting all the doors <laughs> probably indicate that there's something wrong yeah. with this sword like i should probably get rid of this or it's that type of like in that moment, I would think this thing's cursed. Like right. I have to either destroy this thing or get rid of it. I'm not gonna be all of a sudden like, look at me. I got oh, this. Oh, cool but if you sword. destroy it, I feel like you're, if you destroy you're it, you're still like, gonna oh, invoke wrath. Oh yeah, they'll they'll probably kill you and everybody in the town right. trying to figure find this thing. And so, where do these Gith Yankee reside? Well, they have kind of their own little plane that they live in. They live mm. with. It's not their own, I know, but 
they call this plane home. They call the astral plane their home. And so if you want to try and find them, well, you're not going to find them on the material earth that you find around you. Like they wouldn't. You well, would, well, OK, <laughs> that's you, you can you can find them. <laughs> they'll but find you. <laughs> they'll find you. But if you don't know, you're not necessarily going to see them just like walking in a in field native, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. To the, find them in their native homeland would be to find them on the astral plane. Right, right. So a couple other interesting things as the Githyanki go. Githyanki actually in their native language means follower of Gith, which harkens back to what Makes we talked sense. about in the beginning yeah. with the Githyanki were the ones that followed their leader, Gith. They are, as Chris was saying, they're from the astral plane, and so they're known as astral raiders. They travel the planes of the on their astral vessels or on the backs of red dragons, which we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. later. But, I mean, that's okay. If you're not scared by these things... Now they're flying they on red dragons. They can all around. They can do whatever. <laughs> yeah. And now they have fire-breathing dragons. They can separate dragons your then. soul from your body. And they can ride on red, bag- right. red dragons. Right. But they'll raid countless worlds, leaving their victims. And this just shows they're like crazy meanness. <laughs> they'll leave their victims with just enough food and resources to survive so that they can later return and raid them again. This makes me think of like they called themselves astral raiders, but they're pretty much like astral Vikings. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what they're pretty well, much. I like are. this aspect of them because most of the time when you see an outer world creature coming, they come and just completely suck the planet dry of resources and then destroy the planet. But in this case, they're a little bit smarter than that. They're saying, we're going to come, we're going to destroy things we're gonna, or take things, but we're going to leave you with enough so that you can rebuild. So and then we'll rebuild, come and do yeah. it to you again. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a form of slavery. Slavery in yep. a way. So they, they <laughs> basically got their return. astral map and they have like the red pins in for like, we need to give those guys time and the yellow pins yeah, right, in for right. ready to attack. Yeah, right. Yellow's like, maybe we can wait a little while. And then green is like, all right, go get there now. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but they're a very militaristic society. They are driven by fighting and conquering. And like we talked about a minute ago, pillaging the people that they come up against. Not and, much has changed. Since and Gith. <laughs> not much has changed since Gith came and help them get out of the illithid slavery. And there's a very strict caste system within this society as well. And so I would imagine, I I don't know exactly how the caste system works, but if it's anything like caste systems here, if you're in that system, you're kind of stuck in that system unless for some reason they decide to promote you. And there's a very hierarchical way that you look at things within this society. I imagine it's the strong leading, right? Like oh, it's, totally. It's, yeah. So when Gith died, her undead advisor, Vlacketh, a lich queen, took over for her. I didn't find a lot on Vlacketh, which kind of annoys me because I'm like, Gith had an undead lich queen like as her advisor? <laughs> like... What? Wait, I need to know more here. How strong was Gith then in that in my mind? Like what made her like, you're my buddy, like to a Lich Queen. But anyway, so that's a thing. And so Vlacketh takes over when Gith dies, and Vlacketh forbids Gith Yankee society any worship of any god. But worshiping Vlacketh is the only worship that is okay in Githyanki society. And so Githyanki don't worship gods. In fact, in their astral floating islands world, they will sometimes build cities on floating dead gods that are just like floating around in the astral plane to just further the fact that they're just like, we have no respect for the deities of mortals and 
Yeah, it oh, just it, it builds upon that every worship has to be to Vlacketh. It's like, we're not only going to worship Vlacketh, we're going to make homes out of these yeah. dead gods, <laughs> which is just like kicking somebody while they're down, essentially. On top of this, as we said before, there's probably reason to hate the Illithids, but these people are extremely xenophobic. They cannot stand anybody else that isn't a part of the Githyanki society for the most part. As you can imagine, they hate Mind Flayers and Githzeri the most. One, because they were former slaves of them, and the other because they split off and became their own race. And they are merciless when it comes to running into anybody that isn't a part of their society. So let's talk about this. They ride on the back of red dragons. How did this happen? Well, during the time that there was the rebellion led by Gith against the Mind Flayers, she sought out allies to help her. Because, I mean, Mind Flayers, dude, you can't beat them alone, right? Even if you have the swords, like, there's no way that you can still expect to take them. Yeah, it's still going to be really difficult. So Vlakith advised her to seek out Tiamat's help. And so Gith journeyed. Always seems like a good idea. (laughs) Let's go see Tiamat. Gith journeyed into the nine hells to meet with Tiamat. And now Tiamat is the only one who actually knows what happened during that meeting. But basically, a alliance was struck up between Gith's people and the red dragons because of this. And not all red dragons will still honor this alliance to this day, but rarely are the two looking at each other and thinking that they're enemies. It's right. At least they're on like good it's social terms, I suppose. It's one of the very few things in this planet that they <laughs> aren't prejudiced Like a red towards. dragon and a Githyanki pass each other on the street and just nod. Yeah, they just, <laughs> like, they just nod. Yep. Or they give each other thumbs up because they're allies. And then they <laughs> kill the guy that crossed in between them yeah, in the exactly. middle of the street. One eats them, one takes his possessions. But you know? like because of this, some red dragons, a lot of them do still honor this alliance. And so during times when Githyanki are going to war or going to raid a world, they might appear on the back of red dragons. And like we said earlier, if Githyanki weren't scary enough, put them on the backs of red dragons, and there you go. You have nightmare fuel for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Another interesting thing about the Githyanki is that when they're growing up, because, you know, as you may or may not know, things don't necessarily age in the astral plane. And so for them to grow up, they grow up in the mortal realm. And they're <laughs> forever sent- babies. Right. In forever the astral babies. plane. Yay. <laughs> forever cute <laughs> Gith Yankee Aww, babies. So <laughs> and so young Gith Yankee are sent to outposts in the mortal realms to grow and mature and age and learn their powers, grow in their powers and become these strong militaristic thinkers. And so these outposts act as military academies. And so whether that's on, you know, worlds that they've conquered in the past or exploration outposts or whatever it is, they are sent to these outposts to grow. And when the children are fully grown, they must slay a mind flayer as their right to passage. And then, and only then, they are allowed to rejoin their people. That's kind of cool. That's that like cool. the like right of becoming an adult Gith Yankee is <laughs> you have to slay our arch enemy. It's not I've like heard of some it's not crazy like, hey, rites of passages, but slaying a mind flare. Yeah, like go out for a year, <laughs> like go out for a year, live on your own in the middle of the woods somewhere. <laughs> like I've heard of that, but you know, in societies. But this is like no, no. You need to go kill the thing that we fear the most, the thing that we hate the most, and people that have enslaved it's us that in the moment past. Moment of. Of 300 where the kid is like tracking down the wolf only replace that wolf with a mind flare. Now go into your D and D monster manuals and compare mind flare and wolf stats. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
One's a little bit Come on, tougher. We'll give the one a dire wolf stat in the, <laughs> right, in, the right. in the 300. Okay. Come on. Still, still. Anyway, so that's Gith Yankee. We're going to talk about some adventure and encounter ideas that we have for these. So the first I liked to entitle it The Price of Slaying a Dragon. And so my idea is that you set your adventures up to kill a red dragon. Think of The Hobbit, the book, not the awful movies, and going to kill this dragon that legends have foretold. And maybe that's a thing. Maybe this dragon that you're going after is like a really powerful dragon. So this is a like higher level campaign. Maybe it's an elder dragon. And so you go in and you have your adventures. They fight this dragon and they beat this dragon. And it's like this moment of Yes, we did it. Maybe this is the moment where they think, ah, the campaign, we did it. We're victorious. But because they killed this dragon, who was super important, they unwillingly now have angered the Githyanki and the Red Dragons. And because the Githyanki are Red Dragon allies, they are going to bring down the wrath of invading Githyanki's army riding Red Dragons on whatever nation, whatever city that you're near, that you're a part of. And so in begins the part two of your crazy campaign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which it's like, hooray, I would, that we would killed be, the Red yeah, Dragon. Exactly. <laughs> oh, how can it get any harder than this? And now there's a hundred of them. Said that. <laughs> yeah. At that moment, you hear the ground begin to sh- Yeah. Is that a roar of a red dragon? No, that's the roar of 20 red dragons. (laughs) 20 red dragons. Oh, no. The adventure hook that I came up with was one where, like we said a couple minutes ago, there's these outposts that these young Githyanki are sent to. So I would imagine they're not as powerful as fully grown adult Githyanki that have lived on the astral plane. Oh, gosh, Chris, you're going to have like an uh, an Anakin moment. No, no, no. (laughs) Go kill all the young Padawans. (laughs) So... You, as the commander or, you know, whether you stumble across them as an adventuring party, you find that, you know, this is like an exploration outpost where if you find these types of things, you've been instructed or you've heard from legend that the rest of the Githyanki aren't far behind. And so it's your job and whoever else's job you can wrangle with you to go and destroy that outpost before... The Githyanki are able to grow. Totally, so totally yes. Anakin, whatever. <laughs> so yes, go kill the Githyanki kids. <laughs> I do like it, though, because therein lies, like we had a couple episodes ago, a moral dilemma. Stop being so salty. <laughs> and let's and go like, on to the next one. Like, yeah, like, it's is that okay to kill children that are being raised and you know where, what's going to happen when they grow up? They're going to go and they're going to raid other worlds and kill people in your world and other worlds. And so, like, this could be a fantastic, like, you give this adventure to your players. And I'm thinking, like, Voyage of the Ending Sea, we have all these mix of alignments. And, like, how does the I'm neutral good character deal with that? Because the lawful evil character would just be like, heck yeah, (laughs) like, I'm going to go do it. But, like, even the neutral good character, I feel like that's not just a black and white yes i can't do this or no i can't you know it's difficult oh, to, totally. what do you what do you do totally. well you're if you don't do this it's the greater good kind of thing right so yep. sanjin still super, wouldn't kill super any of them he'd just knock them out <laughs> and then raise them <laughs> and then ra- yes and then try to raise <laughs> try them try to raise them <laughs> we need to have sanjin like have his own monastery where he brings in 
Noggles and get Yankee and like the worst of it's the worst. It's like the island of misfit toys, but like the <laughs> monastery for misfit races. <laughs> yeah, you need to like talk with the prison system and like create this reformation program. And that's maybe he'll talk with uh, Smitty Witty Wergerman Jensen from the <laughs> from the Riders of Shemesh. Oh gosh! Another adventure idea is looting the dead Gith Yankee. And so we talked a little bit about this, but those silver swords that are so important to them. Like, what happens if you come across a dead Gith Yankee with sword and armor and all? And, okay, like, maybe your players have heard about Gith Yankee before, especially if they're, like, seasoned players, they've played a lot. But really, don't say you come across a dead Gith Yankee. Say you come across a strange creature. Like, and if they want more details, give them more details. But if somebody goes, like, oh, it's a Gith Yankee, be like, yeah, but does your character know this? Because yeah. you've never experienced Gith Yankee, probably, in most cases. I would imagine settings. they're probably somebody, they're probably creatures that a lot of scholarly people know about. And maybe some like yeah, kings maybe, and queens, depending but, on what worlds they've read, yeah, and what the they're thing, studying. Yeah. But it's not. I would imagine they're not going to be something that a normal adventurer is going yeah. to know about. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if get the Yankee come, they're going to not leave like people to be like, oh yeah, like they'll leave some people to rebuild. But so anyway, if you have those adventures, come across the dead get the Yankee. What's going to happen? They're going to loot him and take the sword. And it's an awesome sword. The stats are sweet for them. So they're going to think it's the greatest thing until all of a sudden they come across either that shopkeeper that goes, no, 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 because maybe the shopkeeper's learned and like shuts them out. Or probably a better like idea would be the shopkeeper wouldn't know. And then See, maybe it just they as do a sell silver it. sword. Yeah, yeah, maybe they do sell it. And then that town gets completely. Or it's attacked. like that moment where it's like you're passing through the city. And it's like, I can't do anything with the sword. I got a better one. You sell it. And as you're leaving, you see the town just go up in yeah, flames. Fl- dragons like, what with these world? strange creatures. <laughs> you just see yeah. this portal open up and these things just come flying. Exactly. Out. Do like, they uh... attack you on the road? Because you keep that sword. Or if you sell it, they're going to like come after that town. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think Gith Yankee are going to come into a town and be like, all right, guys, just kill that shopkeeper and take the sword back no they're gonna be like all right while we're here we might as well raid this place completely and we're already pissed so it's just that feeling of like oh that's our fault kind of thing we have to make this better Mm -hmm. don't we oh yeah yeah all right so let's talk about the gith zerai a little bit what is a gith zerai well they too are from first edition and all the way to the present, they are also considered one of the most classic D&D monsters, also have product identity with the Wizards of the Coast, also created by Charles Strauss, although I don't think he stole this from any George R. R. Martin books. It although, I mean, half like the name is still Gith. Well, it seems like Gith was the front for Gith Yankee. Gith is the front, but then they add Zerai, yeah. which is... Zerthamon, yeah, essentially. I'd, I'd like yeah. to. I'd really be interested to find out how alike the Gith Yankee are to George R. R. Martin's Gith Yankee. Yeah, because it seems like Charles Strauss really wanted to make his own monster and just was like inspired by it. So it'd be interesting. So anyway, the Gith Zerai were actually they started as a monster, but they were actually a playable race in the Planescape campaign setting, and they are usually lawful neutral. Yeah, so these, like the Gith Yankee, the Gith Zerai, are, for the most part, they're fairly similar as far as their humanoid and their psionic. Some of the spell casting that they have is a little bit different. They have Mage Hand again. They have Feather Fall. They have Jump again. They have Sea Invisibility. They have Shield All. They have Phantasmal Killer, which is crazy because if you 
don't think this creature that appears in front of you is real and then you fail another save you just die from fear so that's a crazy spell that they can use and they also have plane shift as well they have psychic defense and so while they don't wear any armor and they don't use a shield the githzerai add their wisdom modifier to its ac so you add your wisdom and you would add your dexterity to the modifier as well to come up with your overall armor class so just in the special abilities alone we're already seeing the differences between the githyanki and the githzerai yeah you can tell they come from the same race originally but you can also see various differences as well and so like you i mean you're talking about a yin and yang kind of thing here that whereas the githyanki are always offensive and warlike the githzerai are super defensive even their spells i mean featherfall is about casting on yourself so you can Protect yourself from terrible falls. Right. You have sea invisibility, not invisibility, sea invisibility. Which so is very useful against Githyanki. Yeah, against people like that that come in and try and sneak in and attack them. They have shield. It's just they are absolutely, their psychic defense, they're absolutely about defense. And so where do they live? Do they live in the astral plane? No, they actually live somewhere you probably at first would be like, wait, what? That doesn't sound very Githzerai. Right. They live in the plane of limbo, which is basically just utter chaos and so they willingly live in the utter chaos that is the plane of limbo and they train themselves to control the elements around them creating sanctuaries for themselves within the craziness it's once again learning how to adapt to very potentially offensive things like it's like the githyanki very chaotic very militaristic they're like almost living in a plane that's very much like living amongst them and learning how to be defensive and not only is it that but they, by surrounding themselves by this crazy chaos yeah. and danger, they're better defended because who's going to be able to get to them? You have to really work to get to a Gezerai monastery, a Gezerai place where they're living to be able to attack them, to be able to get to them at all. And so they've in their training of like this serene, like we want to create a place of peace in this craziness. They also protect themselves with just the elements all around them. It's yeah. it's brilliant. I wonder who the first one was like, all right, where do we want to go? Do we want to go to the mortal plane? Yeah. <laughs> we want to go to the plane of fire. We want to go to, you know, the astral plane. Let's go to the plane of limbo. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> So some things to know about the Githzerai is they pursue lives of extreme order. And so they live in very strict monastic lifestyles. And so that kind of lives into that life of extreme order. You're training yourself. You're trying to make order out of the chaos around them, living into that extreme order side of things as well. And through Zerathamon's teachings, the Githzerai taught themselves to channel their mental energies into making physical and psychic barriers in which to defend themselves. So after turning their back on the warlike ways of Gith, fighting to them is a very personal thing. I feel like with the Gith Yankee, it's just an everyday kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, so that's what we do. We fight. And I'm sure it can be personal, especially oh, totally. like if you in that situation where it's like we talked about where the sword is taken up by somebody who's not a Gith Yankee, absolutely going to be seen as personal. Yeah. But like. It's just their job. It's just their life. Whereas with the Gitzerai, if they are forced to fight, it is seen as a very, very personal thing. 
So their society is ruled by the wisest of their teachers and the most skilled of their psychics. They greatly honor heroes and teachers of the past, and they would learn from their virtues. I imagine there's like books that these teachers and these leaders among the Gizerai have written and that they go through like Aristotle and things like that for us. Like they read up on them and they try to live their lives by the philosophies that have been passed down by the people who came before them. Which is pretty cool. I feel like this could be like the ultimate goal of Sanjen. Find it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about this a little bit more. But yeah, so the most skilled followers of Zerithamon's teachings become Zerths, which are monks with the ability to plane shift just by using their minds. So that is like if you are the most diligent of followers, you're going to become a Zerth. And so talking about Sanjin, like it is super, super rare, super rare. However, there have been some mortals that seek out Gitzerai monasteries in the plain of limbo to try and become students of these Gitzerai monks. Which seems like a really cool idea. And I'm contemplating that for Sanjin after learning about that. I mean, here's the problem. But at the there, same time, Gitsyanki I don't have know not- if- encountered the world of Atos right. yet. Right, so. <laughs> and the other thing, I didn't even know that, but the other thing was, it's like, I don't even know if he would know yeah, who the I'll, Gitzerai yeah, are. Exactly. Is the that's other the hard, hard part. Thing. It'd be sweet, and I would see Sanjin trying to become, like, the guy that's then leading them, because that would be pretty stinking cool, too. <laughs> don't uh, think it would ever happen, yeah. but, you I can, know. I feel like Sanjin has the right stuff to maybe convince them to take him under the wing, but to lead them. <laughs> hey, I did roll a nat 20 against a dragon and oh. kill it, so no, that was crazier cruel. things have that, happened. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That's very rare. Yeah. Now, some things that are very, very rare are a Githzeri creates a monastery on the material plane to spread their teaching of Zarathamon. Which I guess would be a little easier for Sanjin. That would be a little bit easier. It's like (laughs) instead of traveling through limbo and hoping he makes it there or finds where he's going, it's just like, oh, there, it's in, you know, Shemesh somewhere. We'll just go and find it. (laughs) Yeah, Shemesh again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then on top of that, there's this interesting special hunting party called the Rachma, which they are a group of people who specifically go out and hunt illithids on other planes. All right, so let's talk about adventure hooks for the Githzerai. And so first, I mean, we've talked about it already with Sanjin, but it would be sweet if you had a monk character in your campaign or monk characters and you gave them the task of traveling to a Githzerai monastery, whether it's on the, the material plane or even crazier, taking a trip to the plane of Limbo and trying to get to a Githzerai monastery and training amongst the Githzerai. That'd be just a really fun, I feel like, side quest or just main quest for like a monk character. That'd be fantastic. All right, so my idea is what if you were a monk that wherever you were ended up stumbling upon this ancient book that had this writing that you had no idea what it was and you take it to a linguist or you know somebody who is able to translate this book and you figure out it's like this teaching of Zerthamon of the you know the monks that live in the plane of limbo somehow it got lost somehow it found its way to the mortal plane and you start learning from this book 
Now, we've talked about how the Gazeri sometimes, in a very, very rare occasion, create a monastery here on the material plane to spread the teachings. What if you were a human or an elf that found this book, learned it so well, and then you were the person that created a monastery on the material plane instead of it being a Gazeri coming and creating that monastery within the plane? And so somebody shows up or you show up at this monastery and, hey, it's Gazeri teaching, but it's not a Gazeri teaching the ways of Zarathamon. I think that would be really interesting to add into the world. I always think that the idea of like lost texts and not knowing yeah. where they've come from is just so cool. And mm-hmm. that, that'd be sweet to introduce to a monk character. Right. Like you find it. And I feel like the other characters would be like, what's this? junk book and like throw right, it over yeah, their shoulder and yeah. the monk character who monks are all about non non-possession don't like want to carry a lot of stuff but like that would be i feel like a, a precious thing for oh a totally monk to come totally across. yeah uh, another idea is it would be sweet to put your players into a battle against mind flayers that was like way way high up in challenge rating and just like impossible for them to win and then they're aided by a Githzerai on a Rachma, basically. That would be fantastic. And then having this moment where worlds collide of Githzerai who have come to your world to kill Mind Flayers, and you and these Githzerai are in a battle with Mind Flayers, and they come to your aid, and now together you've equaled out the amount of how difficult this battle is against the Mind yeah, Flayers. because I've always wondered, like, if you're a humanoid and the Mind Flayers come, what are you even going to do to try <laughs> and protect yourself from them? Like, yeah, that would be a really cool scenario to find yourself in. And so that's what we have for you for the Gitzeri and the Githyanki, and so we hope that if you've never used them in your world before, I've personally never used them. I know a little bit about them, but I've never used them. If you haven't, I hope you had the opportunity sometime to use them because they are crazy, they're awesome, and they are a lot of fun to have within any sort of campaign. And so with those being done, we are going to move on to a couple of homebrew creatures that we have created. Mitch has one. I have one. And I'll start out with mine. Mine is called the Adlosi. And it's not really a creature necessarily, but it's a plant that you find within a swamp that you find yourself walking through. And so the Adlosi are some of the most vile plants in any swamp. Despite their small size, they pack a deadly punch thanks to their sleeping spores. One minute you may be enjoying a leisurely stroll through any swamp that you're going through, and the next you may find yourself never waking again. The plant is known to be good for medicinal purposes. For people who have problems trying to sleep at night, who have terrible night dreams, they're able to use these things to help them sleep. And there are people that go out and try to harness this plant for its sleeping spores in particular. Some even have them locked away within their homes to try and produce more of these plants and more of these spores. If you're an adventurer and have never dealt with the Adlosi before, it's highly recommended if you see one to turn around and go the other way because you're messing with something that you won't be able to possibly recover from ever. And so these plants in appearance, if they've never seen an Adlosi before, they may think that they're simply looking at a closed purple plant. But if you see the Adlosi starting to open, it may be the last thing you ever see. Because if you see this plant <laughs> opening, that means you have... If you see it open all the way and you're just staring at it at the end, it means you've survived. You you can continue on living your life. If you only see the purple bulb and you don't see what it looks like on the inside, well, that's probably the last thing you've ever seen and you'll never wake up again. The reason being is these Adlosi are a part of a swamp that in many sort of 
ecosystems, there's symbiotic relationships. And so this plant, the Ed Loci, finds itself in a mutualistic symbiotic relationship with the moving moss. And so you guys have come across these moving hey, moss before. They suck. These <laughs> plants, you guys were sleeping already, but these plants, Zyvir moved into a position where he was within the range of these plants to open up and put somebody to sleep. You guys were already asleep. He survived, but because the guy said, don't believe what you see, he just kept right on seeing <laughs> what he was seeing. What and so these plants shot their spores out. You guys were already sleeping. You just kept on sleeping through the night. He just kept on sitting there watching you guys sink lower and lower. And this moving moss that they have this mutualistic relationship with slowly sucks these creatures down within the moss because of the help of the ad loci once they're inside they have like a stomach underneath sort this moving moss does that have these little lizard creatures called the nahi that help devour and break down these creatures as oh, well we didn't get to that point, you didn't thankfully. get to that part yeah <laughs> and so sometimes people wake up inside of the stomach sometimes they don't but these ad loci are in patches there's usually about 10 of these plants as well that have roots that go into the stomach as well and so they get nutrients from these decomposing creatures within the moving moss as well as the nahi surviving and getting their nutrients from them as well so these are the things that put us to sleep although these are we the things never that noticed put, them yes yeah because you guys that we were, were already looking sleeping for plants. didn't notice yeah. it yeah but because zyvir moved within a range of them they shot spores out you guys like were already that. sleeping i did so. i kind of took the all the craziness that happened as like some weird arcane effect of mm -hmm. the area but it's just plants messing with their minds plants <laughs> messing with your minds yep and so they have this sleep spore that's a part of them as well that helps put creatures to sleep and so when a creature passes within 20 feet of the ed loci it opens its petals to reveal a long stem that emits these sleeping spores from within as the spores descend upon the victim the victim must survive a spell save or fall unconscious for six hours so that's what those sleeping spores do. That's why they're harnessed for people to use for, you know, people who have night terrors or whatever to help them try and sleep a little bit better. There's this saying about the Ed Loci by the alchemist for the Lord King, Forrick Granick. The guy's name is Ragnall Beckwith. He writes, the Ed Loci looks like a flower you would give to your wife. It is pleasing to the <laughs> eye like her. It smells nice like her, but unlike her. This plant More will like kill her. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but unlike her, this plant will kill you. Nice. So that's the little saying that he has about this plant. And so that's the Edlosi. So you can feel free to add those however you want. I did create a couple of plot hooks for you if you do want to use these. The first one would be you are recruited by whether it's an alchemist or a lord or whoever, you're, re you're recruited to find some of these Edlosi in a nearby marshy area. The man or woman, whoever sent you, gives you a mask that they say will protect you from the sleep spores that it emits. As you're traveling, you finally find them. As they open, you find yourself becoming drowsy and you fall into a deep sleep even while wearing the mask. You awake in the belly of the green moss as they're in this mutualistic relationship. You realize that you're not alone in there. You run into these Nahi. You have to try and fight your way out of this belly of the great moss as you see your armor starting to deteriorate, see your boots start to deteriorate because of the acid that's down there. And then when you get out, you have to figure out what you're going to do about the person that gave you the wrong mask or a mask they realized wasn't going to work because it seems like they were simply trying to get rid of you for some reason. So you'll have to go back and try and figure out <laughs> why they did that, who was really behind it, things like that. 
The next one that I have is you're a part of an assassin's guild or you're a part of like a mercenary guild for some reason and you are you find yourselves in the lower ranks of this guild. You think that because you've heard this rumor about what the Ed Loci can do, that procuring some of the Ed Loci sleep spores would help you get promoted because you're able to capture people easier. You wouldn't tell people about your technique oh, yeah. of That'd how you're... sweet for an of, assassin. Yeah, or you're not telling people how you're able to capture these people so easily. I see the like an assassin even like wanting to keep one in their secret room or their guild, wherever yeah, it is. Some people, like they, they some like people plant are known them. to do yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. So with this plant, you would be able to do some pretty miraculous things that nobody would be able to figure out how you were doing them, and it would help you begin to move up the ranks, I would imagine, within this guild as well. And so the last one that I have is an alchemist or wizard of some kind has gone completely crazy and has become obsessed with the Edlosi. He has begun casting spells that help this plant multiply rapidly. And so I would imagine you're next to a marsh, the city or whatever, and the people from the nearby town are beginning to see this plant creep closer and closer to the city. They try burning them, they try cutting them up, they try destroying them by any means necessary, but they keep coming back and they keep growing faster and faster until they eventually reach the city. And so you as an adventuring group would have to try and figure out why this is happening, where it's coming from, who's behind it, whatever, and try and put some stop to it before this plant just ends up taking over the city. <laughs> Those are the adventure hooks that I had for the Edlosi. Feel free to use this plant. You can come up with more in-depth stats about this if you want. I gave you a little bit of an overview about them, but feel free to use this plant in whatever capacity you see fit in your As world. As a DM, I love plant monsters. As a player, I always hate fighting plants. Because you don't monsters. know that they're actually monsters, well, right? That's- that, well, that, like, they can surprise you, but then they always have some terrible, like, status-affecting, like, oh, yeah. attacks. And it's... Oh, Like this thing, I have it as like, it's got like next to no AC. It's got like two health. So it's, it's like super easy to defeat, but you don't know it's a bad thing. You (laughs) you see it as like a pretty plant that you might not ever wake up from again. Yeah. So Mitch, what do you have for yours? So my creature is called the armored adapter. And so armored adapters are magically enchanted golems owned and created by only the most powerful wizards. Adapters are usually used as guards, whether that means they guard very, very powerful items and treasures or their masters themselves. The greatest ability of an armored adapter is their ability to learn from their opponents. Uh, Their magical metal body warps into whatever shape needed to fight an enemy. This can mean that their arm can form into any kind of weapon or tool, or even that their armor can gradually become denser and denser for better defense. Hmm. And so only the most powerful of wizards can create these things. They are made out of adamantine armor. So part of their special abilities would be one. They have of course, construct traits because they are constructs. They have damage reduction because of their adamantine. They have dark vision. They have low light vision just to cover all bases. Right. Right. (laughs) And beyond that, they have metal morph, which is their ability to change. Basically their, the metal in their body is magically enchanted. So it becomes like a liquid and then reforms into whatever is needed at the time. So that means their, their arms can change into any kind of weapon. They don't carry on weapons. It just looks like big metal arms. And then all of a sudden their arm is formed into a big long blade or an axe or a huge tower shield, whatever is needed 
in that moment. But along with that, it can take a full move action and it can also basically starts plating itself up Hmm. with magically enchanting its armor to basically almost like become like an armadillo. (laughs) And so like every, every time it does that, it's AC goes up by two. So eventually it's like you're, Fighting yeah, an impossible you're, you're battle. You're not going to be able to and do anything And that's the thing. I built, this thing is not something that I'm throwing out there to be like, oh, you're playing level five? Use this thing. And But like, so then there's magic absorption. And of course, a wizard would be afraid of another powerful wizard coming along and mm-hmm. using spells against them. And so the golem has basically this magical core. Think of it as like Iron Man's hardcore only. This thing sucks in any negative spells, any harmful spells that would be cast upon the adaptor, and it stores it to be used at a later time against whoever it wants Hmm. to use it against. Very cool. So it's basically like a controlled reflect, which is super scary. So it's like if you're a physical fighter, you're going to be having a really difficult time probably dying against this thing. If you're a magical fighter, you're going to probably die against this thing. However, the one thing that does affect it is rust attack. So a rust monster coming up against this thing. If you had a bunch of rust monsters, you can probably beat an armored adapter. So <laughs> I just imagine some guy trying to corral tons of rust monsters yeah, like, to go into to get, this place. Beat this armored adapter. <laughs> but like, where are you going to find this thing? You're going to probably find it in wizard's towers or wherever a wizard is hanging out, guarding either the wizard itself or guarding a magical vault that the wizard has like some really powerful items hiding inside. So as far as adventure hooks for the armored adapter, first of all, there's that guarding the wizard's vault. This I love in video games when early on you come across something and you're like, oh, what's this uh, door? And you try to open it and it's locked or you open it and behind is an enemy that kills you in one swift hit. And you're right. like, I can't beat this can't right now. Come back here till later. But like early on in the game, you have a goal that you're like, this is something that eventually I'll probably right. hopefully be able to beat. And so as you work through the the game you're like i'm i'm always thinking about that thing at the beginning that was introduced i want to go back i want to beat that i want to get whatever's behind that door and i think it'd be fantastic to like in the beginning the first night of a campaign there is a vault that's guarded by a armored adapter and it's like you set this up as and maybe you see somebody try to break into the vault and you see the arm change into a sword he, they use spells against it, it absorbs it, shoots it back at him. He just comes down and kills them. And it's like, well, those thieves died. Yeah, right. But like you as your players are going to go, maybe someday <laughs> I can come back and I can try this. If you're crazy enough, you <laughs> might have that ambition enough. that's like, that's my ultimate goal in life. <laughs> I, know I am I have going players. to defeat this. We have players that would absolutely be like, I want to come back. Oh, and as steal a player, I would totally be like, I Cruel totally want to come back Cruel with that. Oh, I'll be about that. Oh, totally. But if I was the actual, like it was <laughs> oh. me in real life, I'd be like, nope, never coming back yeah. again. But because I'm Just not having going to that die, armored adapter standing there, be like, ah, yeah. nope. Yeah. <laughs> That's guard enough. That's pretty cool. You can leave the door unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that you could do is build the adapter. And I have created stats for this. Um, maybe I'll throw it on the Patreon dragon thing. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises. I always forget about those things. <laughs> but you can make your own stats for them and build an armored adapter. It's going to 
take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of magic. Once again, only the most powerful wizards can make these things. And another thing that would be cool as an adventure hook is if you were in the middle of another impossible battle and a wizard, a powerful wizard that's a friend of yours, all of a sudden a armored adapter comes out and basically turns the tide of the battle and starts completely clobbering the enemy whatever they're using they're shooting tons of arrows at you all of a sudden there's a tower shield blocking everybody he's using a giant sword to swipe everybody down it would be fantastic so i like the armored adapter i like the idea of a giant golem that can basically morph its metal body into whatever it needs that's pretty cool for battle so those are our two creatures. We had the Adlosi and the Armored Adapter. Feel free to take those two and use those in your campaigns however you see fit. Adapt them, change them a little bit, whatever, however you see fit. So feel free to email us any stories you have. You can reach us at the Dungeon Masters block at gmail.com. Send us your, your stories about how you've used these in the past or are using them in the present or th- are thinking about using them in the, in the future. If you haven't left us a five-star review yet, head over to iTunes and send us a five-star review. You'll get a shout-out on the air in an upcoming episode. And you can also find us on Stitcher and Podcast Addict and all of the other Android-compatible podcasting applications that you use. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. You can like our Facebook page. Both of those places will have updates about the show, memes, and just all other amazing stuff related to Dungeons and Dragons. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week and this week's shout out goes to Travis Middleton. Hey, thank you Travis so much for your contribution. Travis is a feared silver dragon. So fear him as you see him streaking across the sky and and if you see him on the forums, I'm not (laughs) sure if he is on the forums yet, but Feel free to say hello to him there. Yeah, as before well. he gets arrested for streaking. Uh, but, yeah, the dragons sky. don't dragons streak all the time. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Travis. <laughs> uh, with that, we are going to close out this show. We thank you so much for listening to once again to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering all of the egos at the table. Have a great night, everyone. On (laughs) Dungeon Mastering. Interrupting. Cow. Move. Bye.